Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I know you've been standing a while. If you'll go with me to John chapter 15. It's so exciting to be here today, and we are so thrilled that you made time out of your busy day to be with us today, and we pray that you're blessed. John chapter 15, everything's in the Version app. For those of you that utilize that, if not, you can turn your Bibles to John 15. We're going to read eight verses, and then we'll dive right in. It says, I am the true vine, Jesus is speaking, and he said, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit takes away. He takes away. Notice it says, in me. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, stay in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's all about Jesus. Amen. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, notice the reoccurring theme. Me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. Please be seated. We'll look at this um, side by side, but we notice in the first part of the scripture, he's talking about remaining in him and it talks about the the branches that are in him that do not produce fruit later then he says those that are not in him but i want to focus on the former part about remaining in him and being connected to the source that is jesus i think it's safe to say that each of us uh, in this place starting with me go through moments where we feel dull where we feel ineffective where we have felt Like we are not producing and we question God and we say, God, is this all that there is? Or is there more? God, is this all that you have called me for? But I truly believe without a shadow of a doubt that each of us in this place today has a purpose to fulfill in God. And every purpose is different, but it is when we come together and work for the for the glory of God that we are able to see what we're able to contribute. So we question sometimes our effectiveness in God. And the question is, are we maximizing our potential in him? Are we truly maximizing our potential in Christ? Are we being all that we could be in him? So through this scripture, we see that the key to effective living in Christ, to living a powerful, fruit-producing life, is to remain in Christ. Is to stay in him. This is what we see from John. Most of 1 John, the epistle, is written around the importance of remaining in Christ. And his gospel that we've read this morning is the only one that, as I mentioned uh, two, a few weeks ago, that goes into details that the other gospel writers do not include. So it is through John that we see what is taking place. Jesus told his disciples during the Last Supper in the upper room, we see what the conversation that is taking place. So we see this in John chapters 13 through 17, 
Jesus knew his time was short. Jesus knew he didn't have a lot of time, so he gathered his disciples together. And he brought them together one last time to be able to share with them, to be able to compart what was on his heart. He summarized, in essence, everything that he had taught them through his years of ministry on earth. He told them what they should not forget. And he reminded them of essential truths that I believe are important for us to be reminded of from time to time. He reminded them that there are difficult times ahead. He warns them of things to come. He lets them know that they must be encouraged, that they need to stay strong in the middle uh, of everything that comes against them, that they, they need to remain strong in their faith. And this is important for me, and maybe this is important for you because sometimes I need to hear this. Sometimes I need to be reminded of, of what his word says, that in this world you will have trouble. Amen. In this world you will have trouble, but I'm glad the scripture doesn't end there. It doesn't say that you might have trouble. It doesn't say by chance. It says in this world you will have trouble, but be encouraged. Jesus said, I have overcome the world, and as I have overcome, you shall overcome also. There is a word of destiny that is spoken over our lives, that regardless of what we're facing right now, that regardless of the heartache and regardless of the affliction that is in our body right now, there is a spoken word that has sealed our destiny that just as Jesus overcame, if I remain in him and if I fight and if I remain, I also will overcome. I want to tell you, I know how the story ends. You win. Whether you win on this earth or, or, or whether, whether it, God calls us from this earth to be with him, the story ends with us being victorious. Sometimes, sometimes this is important, sometimes things don't pan out the way I want them to be. Sometimes things don't go the way I expect them and the way I plan. Sometimes my body does hurt and sometimes it gets the best of me and sometimes I feel hurt, sometimes I feel rejected, but I have a promise to stand on that be encouraged that I, I have overcome the world and as I, you have, as I have overcome, you shall also. What that means is we win. We win in him. I will overcome also. Sometimes I just need to tell myself that, that when things try to come and bring me down, I will overcome. This too shall pass. We, we, we will get over this. So here Jesus is talking. Here Jesus is speaking in the middle of the passage. There is a section where he illustrates what he has been teaching. And, and he often used common practices that, that the disciples could relate to. Uh, so they could be able to understand when he's teaching his parables, he takes something terrestrial and gives it a celestial meaning. Uh, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Why, why did he say this? Because the disciples were fishermen by profession. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed. They understood the agricultural aspect of it. So in John chapter 15, he uses real life scenarios of the vine and the vine dresser. He talks about these two important components. He says in verses 2 and 6 that if a branch does not bear fruit, it is cut off. It's taken away and it's burned in the fire. But when most people read this, they think that Jesus is talking about saying that if we do not have adequate works, that if I don't do a certain amount of things in the kingdom, that when this takes place. It proves that we are not a Christian. But 
But that is not so, that we have lost our salvation. So to truly understand what Jesus is saying, we have to understand what is viticulture, what is the working of vines, what is what the vine dresser would see, what is what would take place in a vineyard. So when we see this, we can understand what Jesus is saying. It's the methods and the practices of tending to the grapevines, people that dedicate their life to this. And we will learn this as we work our way through this text this morning. In context, the scriptures let us know that only genuine believers are left in the upper room when Jesus is speaking these words. Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, has already left. So there's 11 disciples in this room with Jesus. So we have to understand who Jesus is talking to to be able to understand the context. So we're introduced to this story in John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus had already said prior to this, he had already said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. He had said, I am the way, I am the door. And here he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He explains this imagery so the disciples could understand what is taking place. And because he is the vine... I am able to rely on him. I am able to rely on him. He says he is the true vine and his father is the vine dresser. When Jesus says he is the true vine, he is contrasting himself from the vine of Israel. Israel is many times noted as a vine in Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Jeremiah. However, they fell short of what God had called them to be and what God had designed them to be. God had done everything that he could to make Israel bear fruit. But it's a give and a receive. There has to be, their part has to be done as well. Yet it bore no fruit. So here Jesus stands before them and makes this outstanding statement. So what took place with Israel is he took away from them the walls that left them uh, and left them unprotected. And, and now we see him saying, you know what, where Israel fell short, I am standing before you to tell you I am the true vine. Now there is a new vine that no longer does blessing come through a covenant relationship with Israel, but now fruit and blessing come through a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. He says, I, he is the true vine. In scripture, the word true is often used to describe what is eternal, what is heavenly, and what is divine. Israel was imperfect, but Christ is perfect. Israel was the type, but Christ is the reality. So where the nation of Israel failed, Jesus stepped in to fill the gap. Where they disappointed, Jesus steps in. I am grateful. Can I just say I'm grateful for a God who steps in? who steps in in our failure, who steps in in our disappointment, that when things don't go the way I want them to go, and then when things don't always, when, when I fell, I'm glad for a God that comes in and says, I, I can cover that his strength is made perfect in, in weakness, and that where I am weak, he is strong. I, I'm grateful for a God that steps in in my disappointment. He steps in. He embodies everything. So Jesus stands here and he says, he, he says, I'm the true vine. We see a picture of what, what this means. He embodies what they were supposed to be and says, it's okay. If you couldn't do it, I'm here to do it. 
God is shown to be the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. A vine dresser is more than just a farmer, more than just someone that tends to the grapes from time to time on a part-time job. He knows all about the grapes. He can spot disease. He can spot a fruit, the fruit that is producing. He knows what they need, and when they need it, the grapevine and the vine dresser stay together for years. His life is fully dedicated and committed to ensure that these grapes are producing the fruit that they need to be. No matter how unique and no matter how different they are, the vine dresser knows each grape. Isn't that an awesome picture of how he knows us? Isn't that an awesome picture of how he knows us no matter how unique, no matter how different, no matter how contrast? we could be, how, no matter how our personalities are, he knows us. The vine dresser knows the vineyard well. He knows how much each grape produces from year to year. He knows where they're lacking. He knows what they need. He knows which ones are more productive than others. He knows how they respond to the various forms of caring and, and, and the care that they need and how it could be different on this side compared to, to that side. So when I look at this story, I can understand that we as children of God, that we as Christians are the branches. We are the branches. So in verse 2, Jesus speaks to this. He says, branches that do not bear fruit. But remember, he's saying those that remain in me, branches that do not bear fruit and branches that do bear fruit. The branches that do not bear fruit, he takes away. And the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes to be able to produce more fruit. So both branches are said to be in Christ. Never does the Bible refer to an unbeliever or a non-Christian as being in Christ. But if both branches are Christians, because they're both in him, then what does it mean for God to take the unfruitful branches away and prune the fruitful branches Two different things. So let's look and see. He says the fruitful branches are pruned. They produce more fruit. But when I look at the unfruitful branches, which are taken away, but we are in him. The Greek word for this. So let's, let's dive a little deep into this. The Greek word for this, for takes away, is aerial. And can be translated, when you look it up in the Greek dictionary, what first comes up is lifts up or takes away. So the, the word in question here, Ariel, let's look how it's translated elsewhere in the New Testament. In Matthew 16 and verse 24, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Mark 16, 18, they will pick up serpents. Luke 5, 24, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go. Luke 17, 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, John 5, 8, Jesus said to them, rise, take up your bed uh, and walk. John eleven forty one. 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Acts 4, 24. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. Revelations 10, 5. The angel lifted up his right hand to heaven. So it's understandable how scholars believe that this, that what Jesus is talking about here, the branches that do not produce fruit, is not, is to be lifted up. And not necessarily to be removed. Even more so when the role of the vine dresser is explored. So when you look at this and you understand what this vine dresser is doing, grapevines, if left unattended, will grow along the ground. 
they will begin to spread along the ground. And if they're lying on the ground, they will send little roots down. And they will try to get nutrients. They will try to get nutrients from the ground, but that's not what they're intended to get nutrients from. It is possible to produce small, bitter grapes this manner, but that's not how they are intended to grow for the most part. Since they are trying to take nutrients, they need from the soil because their own roots cannot get deep enough. They will not produce grapes. So it's impossible. At best, you'll, like I mentioned, you'll get small bitter grapes, but it is, they're looking for their nutrients. They're looking for their sustenance, sustenance where it, it is never, was never intended to be. They need the sun to be able to produce the way they are intended to be, the way they're designed. So when a vine dresser comes along and he can see this taking place on the ground, when he can see that the branches are coming down, he knows that what they need is for them not to depend on the soil, but to get their nutrients from the vine. To be exposed to the sun to grow, but to be connected to the vine, because the vine is what provides the nutrients, the energy to be able to produce. So what does he do when this happens? He lifts up the branch up off the ground and he supports it in the air with a trellis. What we see sometimes as pergolas that are built where the vine dresser takes it and lifts it up to ensure that it is relying solely on the vine and on the sunlight and not on the ground and not taking its source, not taking its energy, not taking what it needs to produce from an area that it should not be. Are we connected to the vine? So what he does is it, it, he lifts it up and it may cause some discomfort. And that's why sometimes we go through difficult times. That's why sometimes we go through pain. That's why we may call, go through some moments of inconvenience because God is positioning us and saying, you don't need that where you're at right now. You don't need the nutrients from the soil. No, you need to be connected to the vine. And it's, it, it's a stretching process. Yeah, it's a stretching process where it calls causes inconvenience. It causes discomfort. But God is positioning us in, in such a way that we could be connected to the vine solely and depend on the vine for all that we need. Are we depending on Jesus? Yes, uh, yes, our careers and our jobs bring us income, but he is the one that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Uh, yes, uh, there are things that we can do, but it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, uh, says the Lord God uh, Almighty. We, are we connected to the vine that is the source? It may cause discomfort, but God is repositioning us. To ensure that we are connected to him because we are in him. The, this way the branch has no other choice but to draw the nutrients from the vine. So instead of cutting it off, the word depicts and the word illustrates to us the tender and loving care of the father to us. You're remaining in him. We're remaining in him. 
Because as his children, he wants us to produce more fruit. Grapevines don't produce fruit unless they are exposed to the sunlight while the base connected to the vine. And if you don't train and if you don't lift those branches, excessive shading can cause hindrance in the growth and encourage disease. Grapevines need the sun, S-U-N. We need the sun, S-O-N. And because of this, I rely on him and I respond to him. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit when we respond to him. Because through this, it shows how much God loves us. That he is saying, you know what, you're remaining in me, so, but we just need to do some tweaking. And we just need to do some adjusting. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to position you to a point to where you can thrive. If the vine dresser would always cut off initially every branch that does not produce fruit, the vine dresser would never get any fruit because every branch from time to time goes through a series or through a time, should I say, of unproductivity. And in the same way, God the vine dresser, rather than cut us off when we don't produce fruit, he lifts us up. He lifts us up. He lifts us up. He lifts them up so that they will produce fruit. I'm glad for a God that lifts us up. There's a song that says, love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. I'm glad for a God that holds me up when I can't hold myself up. I'm glad for a God that if I'm seeking him and that if I'm praying and if I'm studying and if I'm in him and when, I, when, oh, when life seems to be too much, I'm glad for a God that will hold me up and lift me up and say, you don't, you don't need to be there. You need to be here. And he positions us. I'm glad for a God that doesn't give up on us when things are not going the way that they always should. I'm reminded of what David said, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way and though he falls he shall not be cast down and shall not stay there for the Lord upholds him with his hand when I couldn't do it he held me up when I felt he held me up when it seemed impossible he held me up when I was sinking he came to my rescue and said I will pick you up he can hold us up with his might he can hold us up with his power you may feel like you're going down this morning but I want to remind you there's a God who can lift you up from whatever circumstance has knocked you down there's a God that can lift you up and position you if we remain in him if we remain in him with God we can survive a fruitless season and be preserved until the next season. There is, I declare, there is a next season for you. Regardless of what your past season looks like, there is a new season for you. Regardless of what your season looks like right now, there is a new season 
for you. I am convinced that God is not done with us yet. I am convinced that God is not done with you yet. But Philippians 1 and 6 reminds us that he who began the good work will carry you on. He will carry you on. He will lift you. He will carry you on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will carry you. We still have lives to impact. We still have lives that need to know of Jesus. God is not finished. We must trust God together that he can use us in ways that are unimaginable. And if God created everything about us, and I believe he did, he doesn't just leave us alone but he gives us a promise to be with us and to carry us and to sustain us if we remain in him, if we remain in him. Worship team, will you come? The word remain appears 10 times in John chapter 15. It means that you stand in difficult circumstances. It means that you Abide that you are steadfast, that you remain, that you stand. To remain with Christ means to have faith that you trust him. We trust the one who said he is, who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do. It means that when the going gets tough, that we stick around. And well people jump ship, that we remain. And we say, God, I'm going to remain in you. We remain by having a life of prayer, by being in his word. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are cleansed with his word. So the truth is, I'll state the obvious, the Christian life is not easy. But we must remain with Christ to remain in him. Say, God, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to walk through this season in life because I know that if I remain in you, you remain in me, I will produce fruit. I will. I will be an example of your love. I will be an example to those around me. People will get to see you through me. What an incredible honor that people get to see Jesus through you through your circumstance where they can look at you and question you and they know they know details of what we're going through and they say and they still go to church and they still love Jesus and they still go and they still praise him and they still lift up their hands what is it it's a joy that's unspeakable and it's that same joy that the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength it's my strength It provides me what I need, the sustenance to keep living. He promises he will remain with us when we remain in him. When we have reasons to doubt or questions that come to doubt our faith and our purpose, let me remind you that he remains with us. We have a God who supplies. We have a God that provides. 
where he leads, we will follow. Paul, in his prayer to the Ephesians, he said this, chapter 3 and verse 20, he goes, To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, we have to remain connected to the source. And that source is Jesus. He said, separated from him, we can do nothing. But if I remain in him, I will bear fruit. I will live a life that exalts Jesus, and I will live a life, more importantly, where those around me will get to know the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. His word wants to remind us this morning. His word is reminding us that he is the source. He is the vine. We're the branches. I have to remain. I have to be connected to the source that is Jesus. And if you're in this place with every eye closed, you have not made a first-time decision to serve Jesus and to give him your heart, to give him your life, I want to provide you with that opportunity today. We build this time in our service because it's that important that in this moment, in this few, these few minutes that you could make a decision that would change and impact every area of your life starting with the salvation of your soul. So if you're here today, we want to pray with you. If you're watching online and that's you, we want to pray with you. Together, we're going to believe God at His Word. Together, we're going to believe God that he will sustain you through this incredible decision that you're making this morning. So I'd like to invite everyone, please repeat after me. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Are you hurt this morning? Are you troubled this morning? Maybe you're fighting through a season of loneliness, a season of frustration, a season of disappointment. It's been rough. He wants to remind you that he'll lift you up. He wants to remind you that he will carry you on 
that he will carry you on. So I want to pray for you. That the God who supplies every need would come to you right now. Touch your heart, soul, and mind. And do a work unlike any other. Close your eyes right where you're at. If you'd like to come to this altar, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray with you. But if not right where you're at, can you just for take a few seconds and thank him for being a God that has carried you to this moment? Can you thank him for being a God that has kept you and has preserved you and has lifted you up? When your strength was dwindling, when you felt like giving up, God came in like no one else could come in. It wasn't the encouraging word of a friend, though that helped, but it was the encouragement of a God who loves us beyond all human comprehension. Father, we thank you in this place. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you're not a man that you would lie. But if you say it, you will make it true. I thank you for lifting us and carrying us, holding us together. When we felt like we were coming apart, you held us together in the palm of your hand. Help us remain in you. Help us stay connected to you. Help us right now in this moment, in this season, through everything that is flooding our minds and our hearts, through all the, the negativity that we have to endure. God, that right now that your word would drown out everything that is attempting to bring us down. Right now, we declare your word to be true. We declare it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now, God. We declare. We declare it to be true.